0: What is your mission? What's your mission? What has God called you to do? What is your mission from God? By that, I don't necessarily mean like your life mission that you developed in a seminar or maybe reading a self-help book, although it, it might be that, and it might intersect with that for sure. And I don't mean so much our corporate mission, which we do have as the people of God in a, in a general sense. But I, I'm today, I think God's word to us is to think about our particular mission in God's world. We believe that as a church. We, we, our mission as a church, you see at the very end, the last page of the bulletin, is we believe God's called us to gather people to Christ, form followers of Christ, and send servants of Christ. Send servants of Christ. We'll pray right near the end of the service, right, in our thank you, send us prayer, our post-communion prayer. Send us out. That's mission. Sent one. Send us out to do the work you've called us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. The, the deacon, Susan, will say, basically, get out of here and go do your mission. And we'll say, thanks be to God. Think I will. I'll go do it. As I said, I want to suggest this morning that you and I have a particular mission in God's world. It's as specific and particular to you as your retina and your fingerprint? What is yours? Can can you articulate it in some way or another? I don't mean a priest, a deacon, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, a lawyer, an engineer, fill in the blank, a vocation. Vocation's a part of it. But what we're talking about today would be like what particular kind of priest, what particular kind of fill in the blank. And this word is for the retired as well. This word is also for those who are struggling so much, really all they can do is allow others to minister to them. If we're breathing... God has a mission for us, a particular mission in God's world. Maybe to begin to get at it, it's what is the passion to see the world change that you carry? What, what is the vision um, for something better, the unique way that God has prepared you, that God has worked in your life? Through training, through family, through hurts, through brokenness, through experience, all of that makes your particular mission. 17 years ago, I left ordained ministry. I didn't forsake my ordination, but I never wanted to be a full-time priest again. I was still a priest, but through that experience, God made me a particular kind of priest in the last 17 years. In some way, our mission will have similarities with Gideon's, who we heard today, with Peter's, who we heard about today, with Paul, who we heard about today, and with the sons of Korah who are the purported ones who wrote Psalm 85. In some way, you're called to wrestle with, to fight against the enemies of God. In some way, you and I are called to be fishers of people. In some way, like Paul, you and I are called to look outside of our tribe, our own people that we feel comfortable and safe with, Paul as a Jew, only like, and like the sons of Korah, in some way, some particular way, we will be called to, to seek God for God's intervention and to testify to the world of how God's mercy and truth come together, how righteousness and peace kiss some aspects of that will be a part of your unique calling and mission. So I want to look at the scriptures, mostly Gideon, but I'll grab a little bit at the other ones as well. And here's, here's the basic outline, the basic point points. God has a mission for you. God commissions you through some kind of divine encounter, through some kind of unmistakable encounter with God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, or maybe, as in Gideon's case, the angel of the Lord. God has a mission for you. God commissions you through some kind of divine encounter. Our human response will likely be one of fear and excuses, You can laugh as a way of saying, yes, I identify with that. But God will hang in there with you if you will hang in there with God. And you will know and the world will know God in a new and gospel way as never before. Okay. Gideon. We can't look at all of Gideon's story. It's an awesome story, Judges chapter 6. Um, I will put it somewhat in context. Uh, the beginning of chapter 6, or actually the verse right before, it says Israel had rest for 40 years. And that was after Deborah and Jael you know, won this victory. So there was rest. There was peace. God had intervened to help his people. 6 verse 1, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And then goes on and on. It actually says, the people cried out to God. Now, the formula generally in scripture is when they cry, at least up to this point, when they cry out to God, God hears and says, I've come to help. That's the refrain in Exodus. But it says God sends a prophet who comes and says, I'll tell you why you're in this situation. In the last, last words before today's reading, you have not obeyed my voice. You have not obeyed my voice. No promise at this point of God coming to help. But the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tree and met Gideon. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you. And that's plural. The Lord is with you all. And then specifically, "O mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, who are you talking to? Because it's not me or my people. And that's what he goes on to say. Please, sir, please, Lord. If Yahweh is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonderful deeds we've heard? The Lord has forsaken us. So he's quoting what the prophet said. The Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. But God's doing this new thing. The angel says, yes, God's forsaken you, and he's with you. The Lord is with you. Almighty man of valor, So Gideon puts up his first uh, excuse, his first if. Gideon was a man of ifs, I-F, like repeatedly. If the Lord's with us, then explain this. If the Lord's with us, give me a sign. If the Lord's with us, have you ever heard of like putting a fleece before the Lord? Some of you know that comes from the Gideon story a little later in the story than we hear today if you really want me to do this, then I'm going to do this fleece thing. And so then God does it. And then, as you know, like, one more time, Lord, let's do it the other way. So then the Lord turned, and here's a very interesting thing where we're not going to camp, but this arguably is the angel of the Lord is some sort of pre-incarnate Christ appearance. We don't, that's not a ditch to die in, but a lot of people argue that. And even in the, well, I'll stop there. Um, it's, it's pretty neat. If you're interested, if that lands to, to look into, and we can talk about it. Because it goes back and forth between the angel of the Lord and the Lord. Um, minimum is God speaking to him through this angel. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he pushes back again. Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. That's one of the 12 tribes. And I am the least in my family, in my father's house. So I'm the weakest and the least. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. So God has said both, I am with you and I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And Gideon pushed back again. If now I found favor in your eyes, show me a sign. That it's you who speak with me. Gideon is very human. You hear his excuses I'm weak, I don't know where God is, I'm insignificant. I'm certainly no mighty man of valor. What are you talking about? And yet, he, he hasn't run away. He stays engaged. And that's part of the gospel in here. He keeps bringing his excuses, his fears, his whatever, to the Lord. And so then we hear about this the sign the you know the stuff evaporating in fire the food and then Gideon's like um, I think I just saw God and he's he's afraid he's going to die this this idea that you cannot see the face of God and live that Moses testifies to so he's terrified by this encounter with God, along with all the um, excuses and the, 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 the right revelation of who he is. And yet, do you hear what, what God says? The Lord says to him, peace, peace, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Very similar word that Jesus speaks to Peter today. Peter, Jesus gets in his boat and says, cast out, we're going to go fishing. And Peter's like, no, 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 there's no fish out there. We did it all night. But at your word, I'll do it. So Peter says no, but stays with Jesus. And then the miracle of the fish, and what happens? He's terrified. He's terrified at this, what he's perceiving as a divine encounter. This Jesus is more than I perceive him to be. And he falls down on his knees and says, Depart from me, I'm sinful. And what does Jesus say? I have a mission for you. And he also says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God has a mission for you, a particular mission. I would argue he brings clarity to that and fear to that, through some kind of divine encounter, perhaps repeatedly. Now, by that I mean, that could be coming up to communion and some kind of like interaction with the Lord in communion. It could be in a Bible study where you share something you never shared before. And your friends don't turn away from you. They keep looking at you and they hold you. And, they, and something in you like works more toward this particular mission. I don't know what it, what it means for you, but it's, it's not. What, what we're not talking about today is you figuring it out, you sucking it up, you holding your breath and pressing forward in your own strength. No. We're talking about something deep down inside where God has poured his love and grace and mercy in you, and you have a kind of knowing. This is why I exist as a lawyer, as a stay-at-home mom, this is why I, it's, it's more particular than just the vocation. Does that make sense? I really, really believe this. Every single one of us. A particular kind of husband. A particular kind of neighbor. A particular kind of fill in the blank. Our human response Well, let's say this. If we have a real, genuine, divine encounter, the human response is fear and excuses. Let's just say it. Otherwise, it might not really be God who you encountered, but maybe just some cool idea. Now, God will not leave us there. That's not who God is. That's what we see. God comes in peace. God comes in Loving kindness. God comes in mercy. But where in in your life is God calling you, and either explicitly or implicitly, you're saying, I'm too weak. I'm too insignificant. I'm too sinful. I'm too unworthy. Did you hear Paul? I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to be on this mission God's called me to be because I persecuted God's church. Most, people, most followers of Jesus at some point or another, if not like all the time, struggle with these things. I'm, I'm least, I'm insignificant, I'm sinful, I'm unworthy. I've done something I, I can't even go to. It's so bad. And yet God's coming and saying, I want you to join me in what I'm doing in my world. It's the too-good-to-be-true news. It doesn't make sense. And yet repeatedly, repeatedly, this is the gospel message. God works through weakness. That's where God shows up. We hear the sons of Korah in that beautiful psalm. It comes down near the end when they're like, Lord, please don't stay mad at us. And they have this revelation. And in our prayer book, it's phrased this way. Mercy and truth have met together. Now, That's a little possibly contradictory. Like, if you knew the truth about me, I don't really believe you'd be merciful to me. But that's the way of God. God's mercy only comes to the place of truth. And righteousness and peace. For a sinner left to their own devices, there is no peace. But what we know in Jesus Christ is that God not only works through weakness, God works through death, right? Jesus Christ said yes to powerlessness and weakness again and again for us and for our salvation to bear all of our weakness and failings, all of our sin, all of our unworthiness. He bore that to the extent of being crucified and buried. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. He was dead and buried. The only hope at that point is God. God loves you. God has chosen you. And God has a particular mission for you. I hope and pray you can own that. Because probably you have a pretty good hunch what it is, even if you've never thought about it. And that staying with God in the midst of all the good excuses. You'll find mercy and truth coming together, righteousness and peace kissing. And you'll find that the weak one, who is now the all-powerful one, is trustworthy. We can trust him in our mission. Let's do so be to God.